they say we work 95,000 hours of our lives. 95,000 hours. How many have ever had the job where you're just staring at the clock? Anybody have one of those jobs? Or just... oh, those are, the, are those tough? Um, how many have one of those jobs where the time is just gone? You know, just, I don't know where the day went. It's just over, right? Uh, they, they all have their own equal amounts of uh, pros and cons and stress. But the, the reality is work is a huge part of our life. And so I'm doing this series on work. I hope it can be helpful uh, for all of us and get us to think a little bit. I wanted to just, before I dive into the message, a couple of things. I want to welcome everyone online. Thanks for joining us, um, all of you. Um, a special welcome to uh, those of you down in Georgia and South Carolina, and uh, I want to welcome people in Texas, and uh, wherever you're watching from, um, we, we're so glad that you're joining us, and everybody here, thanks for being out this morning, um, and I wanted to just say, uh, ask the family to say a special prayer for a couple of people. Um, I, uh, I went to visit a young man named Josh, and uh, he he's been in a very severe car accident and, and a, a, an amazing part of our church family, young man. Josh is about 20, I think seven, and very, very, very critical condition, um, uh, collided with a bus. And uh, so pray for Josh, pray for his family, um, all amazing people, part of our family, going through a difficult time. Um, also, if you could pray for Shane Moore, who um, is uh, part of our church and uh, has taken on uh, a burden of his to uh, help homeless veterans. And uh, it's just a burden of his. He's, he's a veteran himself, and it's just something that's been on his heart. And so he's decided to trek across America to raise awareness and support. And so pray for Shane. He's going to be on the road, I think, from, I think from Jacksonville all the way out to, like, San Diego. And uh, pray for his safety and protection and uh, you can follow and support all of these guys and their families. Um, I want to I do the message today for uh, um, those of us who are in a place where we feel like um, we can't make a difference where we are. And you feel a little bit stuck. And last week I talked about hitting the wall at work. And I, I, I dealt more with how to get through that wall and dealing with difficult people and people above you that are hard to get along with. And some of you know this, there's jealousy and all these things that happen in the workplace. And, um, but I want to talk about how to, how to make a difference in the place that you are. If you're not the boss, you know, sometimes the, one of the things that people want to do is they just want to give up. Say, I'm just going to put in my time and I'm just going to kind of forget about it. But certainly I don't think this is what Christ called us to. You, you see different things that Jesus taught, like you are the light of the world, right? You are the salt of the earth. And you have to think that there's something there where he was telling us that we could stand out, we could make a difference, and we don't have to resign ourselves to, well, I just have kind of a, a boss that's this or that, or they're not recognizing me. They're overlooking my talents. They're overlooking my skill set. We've all had this feeling. Anybody? You're lying. There you go. You've all had this feeling. And I want to tell you a story from the scripture from a young person that was overlooked and yet led up, yet made a difference um, where that person was from. Before I get there, um, I just want to, I want to say something that's, I think, so important. 
if you can, wherever you are, if you can, keep a good attitude. Keep a good attitude. Don't let the stuff and the things that are around you seep into you. And this is so, so important because this is what... Everything starts from attitude. Everything starts from mindset. And you say, Chris, you don't know, you don't understand. I'm sure that I don't. But here's the thing. You get to choose your attitude no matter what. No matter what. You get to choose your attitude. And so everything sort of starts there. Let me take you to a story that you're very familiar with, but maybe you didn't think of it in this context. It's the story of David fighting the giant. And here's a couple things that maybe you overlooked in the story. First, did you realize that David, before he went to face the giant, he's a young boy, you remember this, right? And I don't know if you know this, but the, the occasion for David to visit where the giant was, he wasn't in the army. He was too young. He didn't qualify. So you're going to start to make, some of these are going to start to ring true. I don't have the qualifications for this job. I don't have the degree for this job. I don't have the experience for this job. David didn't qualify. He wasn't experienced. The reason that David stumbled onto this and you'll find these things to be true. We stumble onto different opportunities. We stumble into different jobs. Um, there's some amazing stats. Um, they're kind of sad if you're paying a college bill right now. But basically, you're not going to end up doing what you went to college for. Vast majority of the people aren't going to end up doing that. You kind of stumble and fumble and get your way there. And if you did, you're fortunate because then you paid bills for something that you're actually receiving a, uh, a paycheck for. But David shows up to this battlefield as a cheese delivery man. David was a Domino's delivery guy. Read the story. Cheese delivery from dad to his brothers. His brothers are qualified. They fight. And Dave's there just to bring the cheese. He's bringing cheese. Dave gets out of his little Ford Pinto, takes the little delivery sign off, goes to bring it to his brothers. It's all in the Bible. You should read it. And when he brings it there, he overhears something. And what he overhears is this big giant would get up and would talk trash to the other army. And evidently, the way they did warfare back then was you'd have a big guy on this side and a big guy on that side. And they would kind of fight it out and they represented their armies. And no one would stand up to this guy. And so David's team is defeated and deflated and... And no one's willing to stand up to him, and it's day after day after day. And David just overhears this. Um, he starts to inquire, why, 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 isn't anybody, why isn't anybody doing anything about this? Have you ever gone to a place of work, and there was an obvious, big, gigantic, giant problem, and no one was addressing it? Goliath is the original elephant in the room. And, and, and people get used to elephants. You're go, you ever gone to a workplace like that and there's this giant elephant. No one's going to talk about it. No one's going to address it. Everybody's just used to it. His, brother, his brothers go, Dave, that, I don't know, that, that just happens every morning. And we get our morning beat down from the giant. And, then, and David's thinking, this is really, why don't we fix this? 
You ever gone to a job and said, gosh, we should fix this? Why, why are we not tackling this? Um, David starts to ask around some more. He finds out that if, if anyone, it, it's such a big problem. The king knows it. That it's distressing the king. And the king offers up his daughter in marriage and tax-free living for life. How many know that's something you can't say no to? And David starts asking around. He goes, no, what's going on with this? And, and he asks a couple of guys. And then he gets shushed by his older brother. Hey, don't come around here. Don't come around here. You just came up here because you want to see what's going on. You're just nosy. You're going to find all these parallels in these jobs, right? You don't belong in this department. How many of you ever, like, one department's ruining your department, right? Sales is ruining, what, production. Production is screwing up sales, right? And one department's ruining another. And you just go knock on the door, the sales door. Hey, uh, it seems like we're doing things really... And they go, uh, excuse me, you don't belong in this department. This, anybody know what I'm talking about? Dave, you don't belong here. This is not your business. This is not your place. Go get your Ford Pinto. Get back to dad where you belong. Think about this. David, when he wasn't delivering cheese, was a shepherd. If you know anything about biblical knowledge or history, you know a shepherd would have been one of the, most, the least respected jobs. Anybody? David was a part of the original dirty jobs. Anybody have a, a job that didn't garner a lot of respect? Do or did? Anybody? My hand's up, all right? It's not, like, it's not like the dream of your life to go pick up dead bodies in the middle of the night. That's what I did to get through college. You're around that, you'd be, you're pretty low on that totem pole. It means you're desperate for money, which I was. Desperate to get through college, which I was. And no one wanted it. You go to the college work area where they have jobs for, well, you can go pick up dead bodies in the middle of the night and uh, uh, get through college. Don't, all right, I'll do it. I talked to my friend. We did it together. Nobody likes to go pick up dead bodies. People didn't like to work with sheep because they, they smelled. It was, just a, it was just a terrible job. So David has a low respect, minimum wage job, part-time. He goes to um, deliver cheese to his brothers. He's overlooked. Dave's just in the worst position to change the world. Did you know that David already had a part-time gig working for the king? David used to go and play harp for the king. But the king didn't even know who he was. We'll find out at the end of the story after you know the end of the story. Hopefully you know this story, how it ends, right? Afterwards, the king has to ask, who is that guy? This is so important. The king has to ask, who is that guy who just killed a giant? And somebody goes, uh, he already works for you. You ever been in that meeting? Uh, who are you? Uh, I've been working for you for 20 years. I come in, I bring you coffee for 20 years. Oh, so is it true? Sometimes we just, we're, we're, we're overlooked. We miss the radar screen. And some of you that have been in different positions, you're in a management position, you know how much you have on your plate, and you know how it is to overlook other people. Let's just be truthful about these things. 
Don't be hard on everybody. So David is overlooked. He's young. He's underqualified. Everything's wrong with him getting a shot. Here's the thing I want you to think about. David, the story, to me, if you think about it, is not about David having this ridiculous courage. He's going to go, there's a giant being, and then there's this little kid. David's just going to go grab him by the jugular. No. It's not that at all. David is thinking, what's David thinking in his head? I'm not getting near that guy. That guy will rip my head off. What's David thinking? I got a new technology. Is David thinking sword? Is David thinking sword? No, read the story. He's not thinking sword at all. Everyone thought sword back then. Everyone's like, sword, sword, sword. Who wants to take him? Who's got a bigger shield? Oh, I got a really heavy shield. I got a bigger shield. That guy's neck, they talk about how big his, his staff is or his, his uh, spear. They talk about how big his shield is, how massive this guy is. David's thinking, I'm not getting near that guy. But I could take him easy. This is important. This is so important about how we should be good leaders wherever we are. Some of you are sitting on an idea. You're sitting on something you know could make a difference. You know could solve a big problem for your boss. By the way, side trail, don't go to your boss to solve a little eatsy-beatsy problem. This is why I see some... David didn't go into the king's tent and go, King, um, I know there's like a little cockroach right over around that bush over there, and, and I'll get him for you. The king's like, uh, have you seen the giant lately? From, may I? From working on both sides, being, quote, boss and being employee. If people come to you and they... Have they been thinking about a cockroach problem? for like eight months and it's all big in their head because the cockroach is bothering them and they think, I'm going to tell the king about the cockroach and I know how to get rid of him. And I set up this meeting and they go on and on about cockroach control and how you handle them and all this kind of stuff. And the king's like, he, he can't even mentally shift to get to where you are. Anybody ever been in your boss's office and the, the, his eyes or her eyes just start rolling back in their head thinking, why are you wasting my time? This is so important. Because I've seen this all the time. People will obsess over little cockroach problems. And the king's got a giant on his hands. If you want to make a difference, this is so important, think about the bigger problem that your employer is facing. What's weighing her down? What's stressing him out? Good questions. You come in there talking about cockroaches, like, hey, bro, I just flick them. I just flick the cockroaches. I got a giant to worry about here. And so oftentimes we're misaligned about making a difference in our world because we're worried or we're thinking about this little piece of our world and they have this. What are the... You want to make a difference in our world? Ready? You want to make a difference in your workplace? Take on the big problem. What's the big one? As I said a week ago or two, go take your boss out to lunch and say, what's your biggest problem? I want to help you with your biggest problem. The thing that's weighing you, the thing that's hurting you, the thing that's burdening you the most, I want to help with that. I want to help with that. I'll do it in my extra time. I'll put some thought to it. It's a game changer. 
The big problem, the big elephant in the room was the giant. Now, this is so important. David, David says, I can help with that. What, what did everybody miss that David got right away? New technology. There's a new way to do this. You don't have to get near him. What did David say? I'm not going to use a sword. I'm going to use a, a sling, right? David has this little sling, this little piece of, you know, and has leather on it, some string around there, and you put a stone in there, and you just get that thing going and going and going, and you let it fly. You, you can go in the Middle East today, and they still use these to this day. It's not this kind of, it's this kind of. And David had, this is important, had spent day after day, month after month on a lonely hillside, on a lonely hillside, killing animals that were trying to take out the sheep. Have you ever seen a kid? Some of you have seen this. You've seen a kid with just tons of time on their hand, and maybe they just bounce a soccer ball. You ever seen them? And they can just juggle. They just hour after hour after hour after hour, and they can do anything with a soccer ball. This was David with a sling. I just want to hit that. You start, you're bored, start playing games. Hour after hour after hour after hour. This is so important. When David steps on this scene, it is so obvious to him. Oh, boom, game over. It's so obvious to him. And the entire army missed it because they had old ways of thinking. How do we make changes? This is important. New ways of thinking. How many of you are afraid of new technology? Put your hand up. You're like, you're the old techie people. You got, huh? you got a rotary phone in your pocket. A couple of you. Right? All right. Some of you. How many are the new techie? That you're in line. The minute Apple comes out with a new one, you got one. You're there. Yeah. All right. How many are somewhere in between? You're like begrudgingly drug along. By the, okay. Old tech, sword, new tech, sling. Watch. Uh, I want to do a quiz with you. The, the uh, people are studying the workplace. They're, they're, they're studying how it's changing. We talked about this in one of the earlier messages. It was hunter-gatherer, and then it was agricultural, and then it was what? Industrial, uh, a.k.a. Detroit, Michigan, right? Everybody moved to the industrial people here. How many have relatives from West Virginia? Kentucky, right? It's like everybody that are coming up, I'm going to get up here in the industrial age. I'm going to get a job. Leaving there, I'm going to come here. Now, they say we've moved from the industrial age to the information age. And now they're saying we're moving from the information age and people are still trying to name the next one. The age of wisdom, the conceptual age. We'll talk a little bit more about it. But a guy wrote a book about this. I think it's fascinating. And I want to do a quiz with you and see if you can help me understand it. Because we're moving from an age where education and, and smarts and your SAT score and what college you can get into. And we're... we're, we're, we're waning from that. So someone did a study to find out your IQ and your success. How correlated is your IQ with your success? IQ measures things that you do like um, 
you know, how good your like reasoning skills are and the SAT and all these kinds of things. All right. And uh, so you're going to pick an answer. Um, what do you think uh, the portion of career success? All right. A, IQ is 50 to 60 percent. 35 to 45, 23 to 29, or how important is IQ to your success? Okay, I'm going to give you a chance to vote. Ready? How many of you say A, 50%? Okay. How many would say B, 35 to 45? Don't not vote because you're really going to mess this up. How many would say C? It's C. A lot of C. Wow. Okay. How many say D, 15%? Okay. The answer is none of the above. <laughs> Four to ten percent. So what you're really mad that I did that trick question, I know, but because I made you vote and then I didn't I know, but here's the thing. By the way, by the way, the, the author that I got this this quiz from says that's just another example of how, right, only left brain thinking, only left brain thinking locks you into you have to answer from one of the given choices. You have to answer from one of the given choices. See, David didn't answer from one of the given choices. Do you know that David was then told, okay, what's the first thing? When he finally volunteered, what's the first thing they did? They put armor on him. They put old technology on him. They gave him, they gave him the best of the old technology. Who had the best of the old technology? The king. Put the king's armor on him. And this is what David said. He's like, this doesn't feel comfortable. So, guess what? What they're finding out is how smart you are has little to do with how much success you're going to have in life. Huh? All you parents chill out just a little bit. What are we stuck in though? I know you're like, yeah, but I know what you're saying. I know you're yeah, butting me right now. Yeah, but my kid needs to get his grades up. Yeah, but my kid needs to get into MIT. Yeah, but, but the tr- here's the truth. Here's what they found out. You can read, there's all kinds of research on this nowadays. A guy, uh, uh, Daniel Goldman wrote um, Emotional Intelligence. There's all kinds of research. But listen, listen, here's the kind of stuff that they're thinking. And they've done research and says, here's what makes a person successful. Old way of thinking was IQ. New way of thinking is, ready? Imagination. Joy. And social dexterity. Imagination, joy, and social dexterity. Let's say them together. Imagination, huh? That's your kid that can't pay attention? Focus. Why well, he's like making stories and blocks and fairy tales and joy? Huh? He's trying to have a laugh. What? Get your nose in the books. I, I could go further. I know some of you are in education. I'm not trying to poo-poo it. I think it has its place, but I just want to say this. I'm not trying to throw rocks at you. Maybe I'm lobbing a little pedal, pebble in the pond. But listen, the, the game's changing. 
a kid can be in your class, you're teaching some information. He can pull out his cell phone and give you the answer before you're done explaining it to them and correct you on the date. Just think about this. It's changing. And we, we've, we've prized people who have good uh, left brains. There, there's a whole book written by about how right brain people are going to rule the world in the future, but left brain people have ruled it in the past. But here, the, the greater point is this. You have to tap into both. And this is so important. Um, imagination... That's the artists. That's the creative people. Joy. Joy. Do you know that they've done research and they found out that, that the most successful leaders were funny? They've done scientific research to say the most successful leaders, by and large, were funny. Why? They were making their colleagues laugh. They, were, they, they, they brought this... We don't have to be so austere and so serious and so heavy-handed on every situation. And social dexterity, what does that mean? They can relate to all different kinds of people in all different kinds of situations. They weren't locked into, we, this is what it means. You've got to be this color. You've got to be this religion. You've got to be this thing. They were, they were, they were dexterous. They could, like an athlete that could dribble with both hands. What does this have to do with David? Imagination? David saw himself, what? Killing that giant. So much so he was talking trash. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring his head to you. David had no qualms whatsoever about his technology working and his skill set working within it. None. This is so important because we get stuck in an old thing and we're just going to stare down Goliath forever and times have moved on. If you want to lead from where you are, this is a really important part, you have to change with the times. How many are hard at changing with the times? I don't like... No, listen. Change with the times without letting the times change you. Let's be honest. Some of us are tired of our cell phones. We're tired of getting interrupted and called and this and that. And we see the damage of kids sitting at their computers all day long. And we go, come on, in my day, what you guys are all saying, back when I was a kid, we used to play outside. Isn't that what you're telling your kids? right? And it's true. And it is true. Because actually they say they may be losing some imagination. Okay? So don't let the times change you, but you have to change with the times. There are new things that are happening. And over and over and over again, we learn this. We get stuck in something that's old, and we hold on to it. The biggest, the biggest thing that David did was he could see it differently. I'm going to add something here that's going to be important. What else was David already good at? Music. Play the harp. Now, I'm not an expert in left brain, right brain, but the basic thing, there's an artistic side, right? And this is what, the, this is what they're saying. The artistic side, the, the right brain people are going to rule the world. David was artistic, right? He had a musical bent to him. 
He was a gifted musician. Most of the Psalms were written by David, the songs in our Bible. So what was David able to do with his artistic side? He could see something that was completely different. The artistic guy ended up being the warrior in the bunch. He took on the big giant. Don't discourage your kids that are artistic. I know it's tough to get a paycheck when you're artistic, and I know the whole thing. I know I get it. I get it. I need you to get a real job, though. You might, I'll tell you a story. My dad, the only time my dad ever discouraged me from doing anything, guess what it was? That I can remember in my life. He didn't care what I want to do. You want to box? You want to, you want to, serve, you want, I don't care. You can do anything you want to do. I drove things. I crashed things. I wrecked things. I flipped things. I had jobs and sport. He never discouraged me until I said I want to go to Bible school. How many parents are with me now? You got this, parents got this little sheet in the back of how much do those guys make? Uh, don't lie to me. You know that's what you think when you think about where your kids are going to school. How secure are those jobs? Right? Uh, Will Lake Truck Stop. I still remember where we were. Sitting in a booth. What are you going to do, son? I said, Ready, Dad? <laughs> All you've been teaching me about, you know, plastic injection molding and trucking and warehousing and, ready? Bible school. <laughs> My dad, he never discouraged me from anything. And this is what he said. He goes, uh, are you sure? I said, I'm pretty sure. And then he said, what can you do with that degree, if it doesn't work out? And the honest answer had to be, pretty much nothing. (laughs) Right? David, he's this young kid with a sling and a harp. But he had something that was brewing inside of him. And you have young people that have things brewing inside of them, and you need to foster their creativity. What they're saying in the next age, the things that are going to blossom, are right-brain thinkers, people that think creatively. They say now graphic designers out... I read this. It blew my mind. Graphic designers outnumber, I think it was electrical engineers, 10 to 1. All I'm saying is this, you have, to, you have to understand the importance of imagination as a part of what's happening in the future. Now, let me say this. Oh, man, I'm out of time. I knew it was going to happen. Look, two more things. When you go to your boss, <clears throat> the, courage, the courage was not facing Goliath. The courage was facing his brothers and his boss. How many have ever had to go into the boss and your knees were like knocking together? That's what the courage was. David had no doubt about killing a giant. He was, had to speak up. You're going to have to speak up. Some of you, your kids, you have to know that your kids, their knees are knocking. Their knees are knocking because they don't want to do what you want them to do. They don't want to climb the corporate ladder. They don't care about it. They want to do something else. 
And it doesn't make the kind of money that you think they should be making, especially if you pay their college bills. <laughs> Jokes on you. But I could just say God has put something inside of them. If I could say it, like it says in the, in the story of Ruth, for such a time as this. Don't you think that God's raising up people for just this time? And that he's put inside of them. And all they can say is, for those that you're raising, nurture it, nourish it, cause it to flourish, encourage it. Let it be disruptive. <clears throat> I know it's hard when you want that consistent thing. I'm not talking about encouraging laziness or people not taking a job. But I'm just saying, encourage it. And the other thing I want to say is this. Wherever you are, overlooked, underpaid, underemployed, you can still make a difference. Take on the biggest giant. Take on the biggest giant. Go to your boss with the plan. Go to the king. Say, I have a plan. I'm going to take care of this. I'm gonna, you're going to need patience. You're going to get shut down. His brothers shut him down. People are going to tell you, you don't belong in this department. Go away from here. You say, you know what? I'm going to define this problem. I'm going to fix this problem for you. People that change the world are people that solve big problems. We as the, look, we as the, as the followers of Christ, who are the light of his spirit in us, we're the ones that should take on the biggest problems. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. So have the courage, wherever you are, to take on the big one. Let's stand. We'll have a closing prayer. First, I want to pause as we're praying and thank Jesus for taking on the biggest problem of all for all of us. For not looking past it, but for taking it on. Out of his love for us, his gracious gift. So before we go on, I'd like to just pause, have a moment of prayer, and a moment to thank him for the cross, for the courage that it took. Lord, we just thank you for your wonderful gift to each and every one of us, for the courage that it took to lay down your life for others. We thank you for that. We acknowledge your gift. We open our hearts to you today. We pray that you would impart the courage of your spirit in each and every one of us. I pray you'll give courage to every single person here. Those that feel defeated, those that feel discouraged, those that feel overlooked and insignificant. They'll remember the story of David that, that they can make a difference. They can lead from wherever they are. They can inspire. They can bring hope. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.